Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into your Monday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari, and yes, thank you for checking on me because I am doing fine. Recovering from UCLA's loss to the Tar Heels. Uh, fortunately for the betting community, I think just about everybody was on UNC plus two and a half. Uh, it seemed that way at least, and it's understandable why, because we were expecting a close game. UCLA was up by three with a minute left, but I digress. But in today's show, we will still talk about March Madness, uh, the Sweet 16, how that went for UCLA, more in depth in their loss to UNC. Final four is set, it's looking very, very blue. And also some NBA action. Lakers played the Pelicans on Sunday, and I should say they lost to the Pelicans on Sunday. And they are at the Mavs on Tuesday. Clippers lost to the Sixers Friday, and Tuesday they host the Jazz. And no, they did not cover versus the Sixers either. So that streak continues as well, and it's not a good one to continue. Also, Will Hill, host of the New York City Cast, will join the pod to talk all things college basketball and NBA. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bat River Sportsbook. So in the NBA, Clippers 30-1 to to win the West right now, 60-1 to to win the championship. These have just been shifting ever so slightly on a kind of frequent basis. So if you are looking for a futures ticket as we head into the end of the season here into NBA playoffs, might be interesting to look for something. Tuesday, like I said, Jazz at the Clippers. And then Lakers, futures odds, 50-1 to to win the West, 100-1 to to win the championship. These have been fluctuating quite frequently, and I understand why, because how can you expect to bet on this Lakers team with what we've seen as of late? Still have yet to win two consecutive games since January 8th. 
Tuesday. They're at the Mavs. They're on a three-game road uh, trip right now, and this will be game two of that road trip. We talk about March Madness. We'll do it even though UCLA uh, is no longer in it. In the West, Duke advances to the Final Four. They are the favorite to win it all at plus 135. In the Midwest, Kansas, 2-1 to one to win it all. South, Villanova emerges, plus 475 to win it all. They, of course, have to get by Kansas first. And then in the East, North Carolina, plus 550. So like I said, very blue, very blue. And if UCLA was in it, still very blue. Uh, and I mean, of course, the Blue Blood programs, and then also literally a lot of freaking blue. So much blue. Duke versus North Carolina going on on Saturday. Duke is a four and a half point favorite on Bat Rivers. Total sitting at one fifty one and a half. I am not sure about that. Uh, first, first uh, thoughts are I'd like to have those points, but we'll see what Will thinks when we get him on a little bit later on as well. And Kansas also a four and a half point favorite versus Villanova. In that game, I do want I want Villanova plus four and a half, and I am a little bit worried about their depth. Obviously, don't have a deep bench, but I think we're at the end here. It should be interesting. Hopefully, they're close games, and so maybe I want those four and a half points. Total for that one, by the way, 132 and a half, and much higher total in the Duke North Carolina game, 151 and a half. As for NFL, if that is your uh, modus operandi, if that's what you like to work with, the Rams are plus 150 to win NFC West, plus 550 to win the NFC, and 12 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, which are the fifth shortest odds to win it all. You can find all these odds and more at Bet River Sportsbook. Now, let's, for the last time, at least as it pertains to UCLA, talk about March Madness. And also, it's no longer March because the next games will be in April, if you can believe it. I blinked. And March disappeared before my very eyes. But it was a great, great thing to have happen because it was really just because of the tournaments and March Madness. And really, my only one regret is that because the women's and the men's tournaments overlap, I didn't get to spend a lot of time on the women's tournaments just because my focus for work was here on the men's ones. Uh, also, UCLA not in the tournament. Not USC wasn't in the tournament either. So not like LA teams I could focus on on the women's side of things. But uh, Stanford... Last I checked was staying alive versus Texas uh, for the women. So at least a Pac-12 school uh, still in there. Yes, up by four in the third quarter at the time of recording. But that said, uh, lots and lots of fun action. It, it is interesting, and I'll get Will's take on this as well. I did not find this March Madness to be particularly mad, if you will. I could have used a little bit more madness. There was not, you know, a bunch of buzzer beaters. The funnest, funnest, most fun story was probably... St. Peter's, the Peacocks, right? We all love a Cinderella story. And now we're in this final four and it's kind of, I don't know, chalky. It's like all these, you know, teams with tons of NBA prospects, which I get it. It's fun, but I'm not watching the NBA. I'm watching college basketball. So that said, let's talk about UCLA's loss on Friday to North Carolina. Let me just say, I'm glad I didn't shell out like a grand to get myself to Philadelphia to watch this game in person because it's quite possible I would not have came back. It's quite possible. They lost despite being up three with a minute left. Final score, 73-66. to 66. Chose not to foul in the final seconds, too. That was really interesting and questionable. Uh, the under just barely hit on this one. It was 141.5. And, and, of course, UNC covered as two-point dogs. Two and a half, I believe, in some spots. The Tar Heels offense, really weird. And I, I'll just say this. UCLA didn't really play their style, their brand of basketball. They came out and they looked like they couldn't miss in the first half on offense, which was beautiful to see, but very shocking as a UCLA fan. And then, of course, you're expecting regression in the second half. 
Jules Bernard, Jaime Hawkins, Johnny Juzang, Tiger Campbell all finished scoring in double di digits. But on the other side of things, only Brady Manick really scored in the first half, you know, frequently for the Tar Heels. He had 13 points uh, with 10 in the first half. And then Caleb Love in the second half, huge, huge, huge second half for him. He finished with 30 points, 27 of them in the second half. And again, shocking because he went one of eight from the field in the first half. So... Of course, something comes to mind, what changed and what happened? Why did you still lose this game? People are going to point to coaching a little bit here. And I love Mick Cronin. I hope he stays at UCLA as long as he would like uh, so far, subject to change at any no moment's notice. But his rotations, right? Some people are pointing this out. It seemed obvious when you're watching it. I've been talking about this on the podcast. We want more Miles Johnson. They're, yeah, second best center, but second best in what category? Because rebounding, no. Cody Riley is the veteran. We saw him last March. We know what he can do, but four starters for UCLA played 38 minutes apiece. And Miles Johnson, 25 minutes, right? And we needed that defense, those rebounds. Um, and then also, we know again that Coach Cronin loves to trust his veteran guys. We saw that here, but almost to a fault. Because why was Jalen? Why, why were Jalen Clark and Peyton Watson not guarding Caleb Love down the stretch? Those are the defensive guys I want on him. They're two of your most athletic perimeter defenders. What are we doing? Um, but nevertheless, this is how it shook out. It's really unfortunate because it seemed all but clear throughout the game. Like I was personally not nervous throughout this game. I thought, wow, look at UCLA go. And and frankly, when they came out and they're shooting fifty percent in the first half, uh, including fifty percent from three, I'm like, well, geez. The offense is showing up tonight. If we're doing starting off the game with Johnny Juzang three-pointers and Jules Bernard is firing and Tiger Campbell's getting to the basket, this is going to be, you know, no problem for UCLA. But the problem with facing a team that's hot like North Carolina is they can just all of a sudden just be splashing threes in like we saw Caleb Love do uh, in the final minutes. And you can't really compete with that if you can't do the same thing, right? You can't compete with that kind of caliber of offensive talent that said moving on trying to move on it's too soon but I'm gonna try anyways if you can return you know part of this lineup here for UCLA Tiger is a junior Tiger Campbell uh, Jalen Clark of course we hope to see back I don't know why we wouldn't uh, Peyton Watson was a freshman um, love to see how he kind of grows into his role next year Miles Johnson has another year of eligibility. He was a grad transfer from Rutgers, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And then Jaime Jaquez, draft stock at an all-time high, perhaps, for him in the NBA. Does he want to move to the G League, or does he want to stay at UCLA, where his sister, Gabriela Jaquez, will be joining shortly on the women's side? And also, would it hurt Jaime to be a fourth-year UCLA player? And I think he, I mean, this guy is the heart and soul of this team in some ways. And it's hard to say because I really love this whole team. I don't even like to single one guy out, and they don't single one guy out. This is a team by committee. And I have said this before on the podcast. I'll say it again. This was probably my favorite UCLA team to watch in my lifetime, which, again, not necessarily the longest time, but... This, this was more fun for me even than the teams that I had when I was at UCLA. And I think part of that has to do with the culture and the coaching. Because when I first got to UCLA, it was Steve Alford's first season. And I was there for two and a half, three years. So I saw only Alford seasons. Okay, uh, We had uh, Kyle uh, Anderson and Norman Powell. Uh, so it's actually good to bring up Norman Powell as well. Because that's kind of what I see for 
Jaime's path, if you're going to do the NBA, he needs to have a more consistent three-point shot. And that's something he could develop over the next year, perhaps. That's what Norman Powell has really thrived at doing in the NBA. And I really believe that a lot of his success is chalked up to him playing four years of basketball at UCLA. But that's just my take. Take it or leave it. But maybe another Final Four run in the cards. You saw how close, how how hard was it to watch UNC play the St. Saint, uh, Peter's Peacocks and just not think, why is that not UCLA? Uh, but nevertheless, love the direction, trajectory that this UCLA program is in. And so, all in all, really happy with this season. You know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I don't know, guys. It's not, it's not fun to talk about, but uh, we'll move on. Lakers action. This is possibly more depressing than talking about UCLA, but we'll do it real quick. We'll run through it. They played the Pelicans on Sunday. In case you missed it, they lost. You might be shocked to hear that because at one point in this game, they had a 23-point lead. And no, they lost by 8, 116-108. to 108. They did not cover as 3.5 four-point dogs. Uh, they went under the total here, 233.5. They shot 52.5% field goal 40% from three LeBron had 39 points he made seven three-pointers what else I mean Russell Westbrook shot at least what around 40 50% as well it wasn't necessarily his fault unless you look at turnovers but yeah let's look at turnovers by the way the Lakers had double the turnovers I just don't know how you lose a 23-point lead LeBron James putting up 40 points what I mean this team is just completely dysfunctional and it's impossible to bet on for me at this point so they play at the Mavs on Tuesday it'll be the second game with a three-game road stretch for them. You may remember they had one home game, and then before that, a brutal four-game road stretch where they went 50-50 on wins and, I don't even think, maybe covers as well. But they haven't won that consecutive game since January 8th. This is just not, this is not, I wouldn't even call this a streaky team. They are more bad than they are good. Um, their defense is where? Have you seen it? MIA, missing person. Uh, that said, the Mavs defense has actually also seen a drop-off as of recently, but they are still far more solid than the Lakers in that area. The last time these two teams played was March 1st. The Mavs won and covered as four-and-a-half-point favorites, 109-104. to 104. So close one, close, close cover. Um, I don't think that the Mavs are a team that I'm super high on right now either, but versus the Lakers, I lean that way, not knowing what the number's going to be yet. Lakers is just not a team I'm backing right now. Not even with LeBron, and if you can believe it, not even live. There was an opportunity to bet the money line versus the Pelicans toward the end of the game. It was 100 to 100, and I didn't even want to look at it. I didn't. I was looking at what I was seeing in the game, and I was like, absolutely not. So, lean to the Mavs. We'll see what the number is, but the Lakers are just unbettable. And unfortunately, the Clippers, as of late as well, they host the Jazz on Tuesday. You may remember they lost to the Sixers on Friday. We had Ryan Rothstein on the pod to preview that game. I said I leaned Sixers in that, and you can see why. The Clippers are 0-5 straight up in their last five games, and they haven't covered six games straight. The Jazz, who they're hosting on Tuesday, are 0-4 straight up and ATS in their last four games. I don't want to bet this game to you. Uh, the last time they played the on March 18th, the Clippers and the Jazz, the Jazz won 121-92. to They covered as five-and-a-half-point favorites. Obviously, again, I'm going to look jazz here, but the jazz haven't looked super solid lately either. So as always, live betting is elite. Highly recommend. Maybe that's the way to look for this game. But for me, the, the LA teams are just really, really rough to bet on right now. And maybe it's time to start digging into some props. Maybe that's something I can look at. And also looking forward to start digging back into some women's college basketball as that is wrapping up for them as well. March Madness. And then right away, 
WNBA right around the corner. It kicks off the first weekend of May. So lots to look forward to. And baseball, of course, as well. The Dodgers and the Angels as well. But speaking of things to look forward to next, Will Hill, host of the New York City Cast, joins the pod to discuss the weekend of madness and more. This is the Los Angeles City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Hey there, welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. They always say two heads are better than one, and that's why I love to do some crossover action whenever possible with the CityCast host. And so here now, without further ado, my conversation with Will Hill, host of the New York CityCast. Can't wait to see how his weekend went for him. Now we join forces with Will Hill, host of the New York CityCast. I'm, of course, the host of the LA CityCast, Danielle Alvari. Will how did your weekend go with all of the madness and whatever else was going on? It was okay. It's been a good tournament overall. Sunday wasn't the best for me. I uh, mm. took the bait here with the dogs. Miami started out well. And really from the second half of the Miami-Kansas game on, we really didn't get too much entertainment. That game got out of hand quickly. And uh, I thought we, we learned pretty quickly that St. Peter's, uh, the party it, it ends at some point and the party ended. Uh, Sunday, great story, but you know all good things come to an end. Uh, I should ask how you're doing because this has got to be tough for you. UCLA yeah. loses a heartbreaker on Friday, uh, up three late, had a chance to put the game away, and not only go to the Elite Eight, but look at the team you're facing. I mean, I know St. Peter's, like I said, was a great story, but boy, you, you'd be in the Final Four if you were able to just hang on. Not to put salt in the wound here, but uh, it's got to be a tough one. It is tough. I don't know if this is any solace, but it seems like that final four would have been really brutal for UCLA for the teams that are remaining such. I mean, no, it would just take out one blue blood, insert a new one, but it would be really, really great to have two consecutive final four runs, obviously. And it seemed like that was all but doable. And it's really interesting, like you said, because UCLA was up most of this game. And so they were playing really well. What was really shocking to me is that what I pointed out leading up to this game was they're going to have to out-defense this team, not out-offense them. But then they kind of tried to out-offense them. UCLA was making every shot in the first half. North Carolina, not so much. I mean, only Brady Manick could really score in the first half, and they locked him up in the second. And then all of a sudden, Caleb Love in the second half breaks up. He gets 27 points in the second half. So that's very uncharacteristic of UCLA to not be able to lock a, a player down like that um, and let them cause that much havoc on their on their you know on the other side of the court so it's really weird because I thought UCLA's defense should have been a lot better but it almost makes sense because people are kind of pointing to how coach Corona was doing his rotations for this and it was really interesting because he was playing his main guys and he was riding them hard I mean playing 38 minutes and not using the depth on the bench that he had especially defensive depth we didn't see a lot of Jalen Clark or Peyton Watson I think we could have seen more of them and when we were out there or when they were out there that's kind of when Caleb Love struggled more so I don't know why those guys weren't out there guarding him that's kind of where I I have to point to it's just really interesting because they were up by three with a minute left. So how do you, like, I'm, I was really shocked. I wasn't even, like, I wasn't nervous this whole game, right? Because UCLA was kind of cruising. I actually had UNC first half as kind of an emotional hedge. Smart. And they didn't they didn't cover that. Um, Oof. So you, it was actually you lost funny them both. I, so you, hit, you didn't hit the emotional hedge. You should have just hedged the whole game. You, you outthunk yourself well, there. Well, so, yeah. So I had UCLA money line as well, minus 130. That didn't hit either. So first half bet, UNC fails oh. me. UCLA fails me full game. But... I made a prop parlay, which I never do, but I did for UCLA. So I did three overs. So I did um, 
Tiger Campbell over his points prop, which was 11 and a half, over his uh, assist prop, which was three and a half, and then Johnny Juzang over one and a half assists. It was plus 425, and it hit. There you and go. And it hit, you know, with like 10 minutes left. And then I forgot I made this bet before the start of the tournament. I bet Kansas to be the last one seed out at plus oh, 260. There you go. That's a good bet. Just like not... Yeah, I mean, but not like plus 260, nothing crazy, right? But I forgot I had it, and so I went to look at my account, and I was like, man, I must have, you know, must have been a wash on that day, but it actually was a positive day, so. That is a great feeling. You forget yeah. you make something, and you go, wait, what's going on in my account? And it's, it's happened the other way, where you're like, wait, no, what's going on here? There must be a mistake. Like, oh, I made the mistake, so it's happened good I made a bad. great decision. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Uh, going High five, back to, former Danielle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, going back <laughs> to the Friday game, I, I think I texted you. They're up yeah. three with like 30, 40 seconds left. And I know UNC is a great free throw shooting team, but it's hard to let them run the clock all the way down. They had a bunch of one and ones. Yeah. Make them go to Weird the line. Weird choice, right? Yeah. Make them shoot the one and one. You know, it's a lot of pressure. That one and one puts a lot of pressure, especially, you know, last 30 seconds of a tournament game. You miss a free throw, you get the ball back, and they end up scoring on the possession anyway. I just think mm -hmm. you got to make them play the game out, you know, elongate the game and put them on the free throw line. It was just really weird because UCLA was up this whole game, but not really playing their brand of basketball, their strength. And it was really, it was really weird to see because, like I said, the defense and then also turnovers for them. I think they had as many as the Tar Heels, which is uncharacteristic as well. And then not fouling in those final seconds. There were a lot of just like, why? Why did we do that things? And they're not things that you're like screaming at the TV necessarily, but you are looking back now on this loss and going, how are we up by three with a minute left and still didn't walk away? And I also think, no offense, I don't know. People are going to have different takes on this. I think UCLA is more fun to watch than USC because UNC is what? They're rebounding and they're throwing up a ton of three-pointers, I guess. Like, I just like the way UCLA's team runs a little bit better. I think it's more fun to watch. But that said, we have four Blue Bloods now in the Final Four. What do you think of this Final Four? Oh, we sure up? do. It's amazing. It feels like it happens like this every year where it's like, oh, this is the craziest tournament ever. I can't believe this team lost. I can't believe that team lost. Yeah. This is wild. Then you look up and it's just like, you know, all, all ones and a two or all twos and a one. And we're probably going to get a final here where it's Duke and Kansas, a one versus two. I mean, mm -hmm. Kansas is a one seed. Duke's got a million NBA guys. Uh, I mean, Duke versus UNC in the Final Four, that's a hell of a storyline. That's a lot of fun. Duke seems to have, you know, found something here. It, it You know, it's hard to watch them Saturday night in some of these games and think, boy, this is the same team that lost to North Carolina and gave up 94 points. Same team that lost to Virginia Tech, the ACC title game. I mean, they're just so talented. Uh, they made a really good Arkansas team just look, you know, like kind of like the JV team on Saturday. They just kind of toyed with them. Yeah. Uh, I would expect Duke and Kansas to get through. I think Nova, you know, they're well coached. They're a game team. I think the more injury is obviously huge. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I would probably lean towards chalkier with both these games. I think we're probably looking at a Duke-Kansas final. How about you? Yeah, I agree with you. And actually, we were kind of mentioning this before we started recording that – I haven't thought that it was an overly exciting tournament. We didn't have any buzzer beaters. I don't know. Do we have any overtimes? I don't think we had any overtimes. Yeah, I mean, uh, let me think. Baylor Carolina was an overtime. Yeah, you're right. I that pay was attention for to this sure. I, I have some of these overs in play, <laughs> so I'm very adept at this. Uh, Murray State, San Francisco, that first Thursday night. That first Thursday was okay. fun. That one, I think, went to at least one overtime. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that first Thursday was really good. I just like having all the games that first weekend. That The first Friday was bad. Yeah, round one and two are the best. Yeah, round one specifically when it's just, it's it's almost, it's hard to keep up with. There's so many games. And then round two, you get the yeah. better games. There's fewer of them. Uh, TCU mm -hmm. Arizona, too, was another overtime. See, we've had a few of them. I, I think, you know, the Elite Eight was really disappointing. This is a really, this was a tough round. The Sunday games were boring. Even Saturday night, I mean, Nova Houston made your eyes bleed. That was hard to watch. 
and then Duke Arkansas that was you know Duke you know got an eight point lead or so and that was never really a game after that right and I think that I'm I'm most surprised actually to see Duke in the position they're in and I don't know why necessarily because it's not like they had this horrible season yeah. but nobody was very high on them it seemed going into the start of start of all of this play and now they're the favorite plus 135 at Bat Rivers and that's just surprising to me. Kansas being 2-1, to one, not as surprising to me. I had Kansas in my Final Four. I had Villanova in my Final Four. I had Gonzaga and UCLA in the West and the East. So obviously now Duke and North Carolina. I think North, North Carolina is a little bit surprising, but they had that momentum at the end of the season. They beat Duke at home um, or whatever their final game there. But I'm surprised to see Duke in this position. And then, of course, there's the narrative that, oh, that, you know, they're trying to spin it for Coach K. Um, I just am, I'm just surprised, and I think that, of the remaining teams, I, I think I like Kansas the best. Yeah, I would expect Duke to win. I, I would take Duke. I just think Duke's got those NBA guys. I mean, Kansas, Kansas yeah. Duke could be a hell of a final. I mean, Martin and uh, you know the, the the big guy in Kansas, they're they're explosive. They've had a really soft draw. I mean, they had a 16 seed, then they had Creighton, who was beat up, only playing six guys. Uh, a Providence team, who a lot of people thought was you know kind of overrated. And then they get a 10 seed Miami today, so they've really had a you know a cushy draw here. That's about as easy as a path to the Final Four as you can have. Uh, mm -hmm. I just think you look at Duke. I mean, that's four first rounders, maybe five first rounders. Even Williams, the the big guy, just you know uh, disrupts a lot of shots at the rim. Uh, you know, should be a good final. I would expect Duke to win. Like, if you don't root for Duke and you don't root for Coach K, it's a tough ending. You know, hear all the sob stories about him. You know, going out with a championship. I mean, nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear about it for a week. I guess. Uh, I'm guilty of bringing it up even now, but I, I, you know, gun to my head, I would pick Duke over Kansas in the final right now. Do you think, because this is another thing I've seen around Twitter as well, do you think that people are less likely to watch it because it's a bunch of chalky favorites, mm. blue blood, blue chip player teams, or these are the teams that are these huge basketball programs that have the most fans? Because I'm kind of torn on it. Like, it's less exciting for me, of course, than if UCLA was in it or something like that, but that's also a blue blood program as far as college basketball is concerned. But I just wonder, is this is this good or bad for the ratings? Because what you're talking about is, yeah, like there's teams that are just out-talenting teams. We saw that with St. Peter's. It was so exciting. Oh, wow, 15 seed to make it to the Elite Eight that no one else has done it. There's a reason we don't really want to see a 15 seed right. in the Elite Eight because it was just not that – I mean, average height of that team, by the way, 6'4", and still a top 30 defense. Yeah. Just give it to the Peacocks. Yeah, it's funny. I was texting one of my buddies. He's like, you know, they're probably rooting for UNC Duke here. I'm like, I don't know. St. Peter's going to the yeah. Final Four to play Duke would be one of the great sports stories in history. So that yeah. might have been a better story. But I think in general, you know, to have but the blue bloods is pretty good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the problem. Right. But that's that's what I mean is the rich get richer, right, is what we're starting to yeah. see kind of. Um, but as opposed to like if Miami made it today, I think Kansas is better than having Miami. You know, Duke, Arkansas. Yeah. What's better for ratings? Duke. I think St. Peter's is the one exception because it's such like a sports movie story. Cinderella. The fact that yeah. it even got to the Elite Eight is really just, it's probably the best, you know, tournament, Cinderella running tournament history. I mean, a 15 seed making the Elite Eight is really incredible. I don't even know, I guess George Mason making the Final Four. What was it, 10, 15 years ago now? Well, that's a long time ago. I think this is probably the best tournament run ever. Yeah, well, and it makes sense then. St. Peter's head coach already off, off yeah. to Seton Hall. He's he's alumni there, and so he's back there to coach. I thought this was really interesting, too. I saw this on Instagram. Uh, I think it was the Juice betting account. Uh, they put it side-by-side that uh, UNC's head coach, Hubert Davis, got a $200,000 bonus for making the Final Four, and St. Peter's entire basketball operating budget is 257000 Wow. So... 
this is what we're talking about yeah. here. It's like, oh yeah, we'd love to see it because we're all che cheering for the underdog, but how do you compete just talent discrepancy wise? It's just, I, wonder, I mean, come on. I wonder if Hubert Davis hedged and took uh, St. Peter's plus the eight and a half to lock in some <laughs> profit. to cover his, <laughs> cover his, yeah, cover his, uh, his self there. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting. But I will say this about UCLA, at least. I do feel like they'll still, they're not losing a ton of people necessarily. It'll be interesting to see who stays, who leaves. What year is Juzang? I don't even know what year is Juzang. Johnny has another year of eligibility, I believe. I, I've heard people uh, say he should have left last year. Is that yeah. accurate? Yeah. So that's interesting to me because last year, I think that there was like, obviously you're going to dip your toes, figure out. And then they were kind of like, he obviously made the decision. You don't make that decision unless you think it's going to make you more money to stay, right? Or, or right. at least like... Right. But this season, he had such a not even comparable to last season, really. And he needed to be that offensive guy for this team. And he looked great, actually, in this game versus North Carolina. I was really surprised he came out. He was making all his shots. But I definitely think his draft stock is lower than it was last year. And that's why people are saying, oh, should have gone last year. But it's like, well, could have, should have, would have. We say that in hindsight. Um, but that said, I think he has another year of eligibility. I don't know what he'll do with that or if he'll stay, if he's going to go to the G League. Um, and then Jaime Jaquez, not not a senior either. His sister, Gabriela Jaquez, is coming in to play for the women's team next year. So there's people like, maybe he'll do another year. To, and, you know, I'm interested because his stock's got to be really high right now too. But, like, is Jaime Jaquez an NBA caliber player? I think so. But does that mean this is the year for him to go? Yeah. Do they have a, do they have a good recruiting class coming in? They do. They have a Dembona, who's a five-star, um, which is going to be nice to fill out that center role. Miles Johnson, also, who was the transfer from Rutgers, who was their backup center to Cody Riley, even though it's weird to say that because he played most of the season. Uh, Miles is a graduate transfer, but he does have another year of eligibility, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But I think a Dembona is going to start playing as well. Um, Tiger Campbell is going to come back, obviously, probably, um, and be their leader there. Uh, and then Will McClendon also for UCLA has been injured. He's been out this whole year. We haven't got to see him really yet. And he's a really, really good feisty guard as well. Really good defensive guard. So I think that as good as UCLA's defense was this year, it's going to be that good and maybe better next season. So um, nice if we got some shooters in there. I just want some shooters. I was telling someone that was the least fun part about watching UCLA this season is there was nobody who was like, that's our three-point shooter. It was like, sometimes Jules Bernard will make some baskets. Is it tonight? Like, and you can't rely on Johnny Juzang. It's not the Johnny Juzang of March past. So that was the only, like, less exciting part about that team for me. But I do think that they'll be able to return a lot of players. So that's something. Yeah, it's a tough one. Tough one. I mean, you think, you know, up three, you just get a stop. You get one play here or there, and you're uh, you're probably in the final four. How about basket? How about the NBA here? Are you still betting the NBA? It's kind uh, of the Lakers just lost. Yeah, they're only one up on the Spurs. Now, they could miss the whole – man, imagine if they missed the whole thing. My goodness. So, so bad. So, we talked about this. We talked about this. So, on Bet Rivers, you could have bet this no to miss the playoffs, and that includes, like, not making it past the play-in, right? And the no was like minus 350. It moved to minus 400, like within a week. And then now it's like becoming very realistic, which is weird because the yes to make it past the plane was like plus 270 on Bet Rivers. And I couldn't imagine anybody even taking that. First of all, not a ton of value necessarily. And second of all, like what were you betting on? The Lakers played the Pelicans on Sunday. They lost. They had a 23 point lead in this game did. and they lost. Of course they did. <laughs> and LeBron James had 39 no. points. They shot 55%. No. They shot 40% from three. Russell Westbrook actually shot well. Malik Monk looked okay, but where's the defense? I don't even know. I don't know how with those stats that you lose. The only thing is they had a ton of turnovers, but I just I don't know what more you want from LeBron James. Thirty nine points, my goodness. It's so it's such a sad, broken team because they had LeBron, <laughs> they had Davis in his you know Davis in his prime, LeBron in his post prime, but still he's LeBron. 
Uh, they yeah. won a title. They had a chance to win, you know, a second one. Who knows, maybe a third one. They just botched that roster. Man, they they totally tore it down. And now they're How's... just they're a mess. I don't know what the next move is for them either. No, and it's interesting because when they got AD, I think the number one thing people said was he's an injury yeah. concern, right? And it's it's really sad to see that play out. What's up with the Nets since the departure of James Harden? I have to know. And is Kyrie like he's playing again? He's playing at all the home games? Yeah, it looks like uh, I think baseball pressured. I think the owners had a little <laughs> leeway in this where uh, that kind of swayed things. So now New York, uh, you know, whether you're unvaccinated or not, you can play at home. So Kyrie's back. Nets are in a tight one as we speak here against the Hornets. It is. I know. I was going to live bet this oh, one. 106, 105 on Nets now. They were down 10 when we started this. So uh, Nets oh. should be in good shape here. I don't know that they'll catch the Raptors or the Cavs for the play-in. Mm -hmm. uh, they're still what, two or three behind. They're three behind the Raptors. Going to be like eight games to go. The Raptors do have a tough schedule. The Nets have an easy schedule. But three is a lot to make up in eight games. So they'll probably be in the play-ins. They'll probably win the play-in and come in as, you know, the seventh seed or whatever. And, you know, it's funny. They'll come out of the seventh spot and they might be the favorite. I mean, right, them or Milwaukee and, you know, these seedings are going to be interesting. I think a lot of teams in the East are going to try to, you know, duck their way out of the two to avoid the Nets, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, is interesting because you're punting on home court in future rounds potentially, but you, do want, you don't want to play Durant in the first round. So... East playoffs mm. should be good. The Celtics just kill everybody every single night. That's a this is a team that's 18 and 21. Now they're the one seed and they're just burying teams night in and night out. Is that like a March thing? Is that just like a luck of the Irish Celtics thing, or is that going to continue? <laughs> I think it's I think it's legit. They lost one game in March. I think there's something like 22 that's and what I'm three saying. the last 25. It's insane. It's really bizarre to see this kind of a turnaround. I don't know. I still don't trust them in if terms of winning a championship. Yeah. I don't know that they have enough scoring. They're 10 to 1. Yeah. Which is like, what? It's tough. Usually when you're Why? a Whoa. Yeah, go ahead. Why are the Jazz 20 to 1? You think they should be higher or lower? A little lower? No. They've just been on a skid, I know. But, like, just completely off track now or what? Yeah, that's... The, the seeding, you know, usually in the NBA, the playoffs, you get one or two really bad series in the first round. All these teams are pretty even. It should be, you know, kind of a March mm. Madness wide open field of the playoffs where mm -hmm. not a lot of these teams are terrible. You don't look at too many of these teams and say, oh, that's an easy out. They don't belong in the playoffs. Playoffs should be pretty good, pretty deep this year. I'm excited for it. Only, what, eight games left? So that means I think God, April 10th, up on the me. playoffs start. Yeah. Well, well, March Madness starts and you kind of forget about the NBA. kind of, you know, goes in and out of the cloud. So. You'll get baseball started, um, NBA playoffs all at once. Let me ask you this because you have done this a lot longer than I have. Uh, with the NBA, as we get towards these final 10 games of the season, is there any difference? Just like when we head into an all-star break, we have kind of different betting strategies. Maybe um, teams aren't maybe as focused or anything like that they're worried about. Is there just like a lot more when you start to look at the teams that are worried about their seating that we can bet on? Or how do you kind of approach these yeah, final games? Yeah, I, I, approach, I approach it cautiously where – Mm. Yeah, it's just some of these teams are so actively tanking, whether it's Portland or some of these other teams, yeah. you don't want to back them. Then you get a team like the Knicks, who has no reason to play hard, and they've actually played really well, and they've won, I think, three in a row. They've, they've pulled a bunch of upsets. So, you know, I, I tread carefully, you know, maybe play some money line underdogs here and there just for a little action, but kind of pick your spots more. I, you know, I have some division bets, some future bets, some season win totals that I'm waiting to cash. I, mm. This is this is a tough time of year. You know, these teams are, are trotting out some strange lineups. Some of these teams, like I said, are What's really... What's the one you're most worried about? What's the win total that's like you're sweating the most mm. <laughs> with these final At games? At the All-Star break, I bet Knicks under 35 and a half. I did take them under 42 um, before the season, and they're up to 33. They've won, like I said, three in a row. 
they lost their first like five or six right after the, the All Star break. I was counting the money. Now they they played well. I'm probably gonna <laughs> lose that one. The other ones are pretty good though. Usually do pretty well with the season win totals. Under forty six and a half Clippers, under Pelicans. Uh, excited to cash some of these. Yeah, that's great, especially winning futures. I think that's a whole different level of handicapping, obviously, because you have to look at the entirety of a season and hope that injuries, things like that, don't derail you. So hopefully those cash for you. Uh, final prediction, sorry, for March Madness before I let you go, too. So you're saying Kansas-Duke. What do you think the line's going to be for that if we see that? Mm. Like, two and a pick them? Duke two. Duke two? Yeah, maybe yeah. two and a half. And you think Duke's going to win it all? Yeah. I do. Mm, see, this is like so boring. Duke plus 135. I don't know. Maybe yeah. there's an opportunity to live bet these and get something exciting. Who are you rooting for? Do you have a rooting interest or you don't care? I think I'm rooting for Villanova <laughs> because I had them yeah. in my final four and I had them in my final two. I had Gonzaga Villanova as my final two. Um, and I, yeah, I don't, I don't like Duke. I don't like Kansas, yeah. Villanova, you know? Do you like Ryan uh, Rothstein? I do. I'm I'm rooting for Ryan Rothstein's Villanova. Yeah, he has 250 bucks on them at 26 to one Nova. Okay. Yeah, he's already texting me. How wow. should I hedge out? You know, prop swap. I think you can get like 1500 bucks for it. I'm like, yeah, 1500 bucks. Yeah. They're probably not going to yeah, win it, so you it. get something. How how much do you need the money? It's that's always a, a mind bleep when you have one of these big, you know, big tickets. When do you cash out? When do you hedge it? How do you hedge it? You don't want to end up with nothing either. It's like deal or do no you do deal. that? Do you do that a lot with your futures? Because I obviously don't bet futures a lot. I've with NCA, I don't bet futures. I think you're better off just getting in the tournament and rolling it over. Uh, when I yeah. do have a future, I, look, I go through the same struggle Ryan's going through. Where you think about, you know, do I bet? Do I hedge out the now? Potential. Do I try to middle it? It's tough. I think you're better off. You know, I think you're better off probably just let. let man, I would say letting it ride, but I do think Kansas is going to beat him. If Moore didn't get hurt, I would give him a good chance to beat Kansas. Is Kansas like? Uh, unbeatable because i don't no. think so no yeah i told them you know what get it get uh for both these games in the final four i want the points i think yeah like i think these are going to be close yeah interesting i would say you know maybe not maybe not north carolina as much you're right not as strong but kansas villanova i want points i just got to see them without more they only play six guys to begin with so that's tough mm. that's uh that's tough. But that Kansas was, is hitting like 48% right now. So Yeah. Really consistent shooting team. Miami had them too. Miami was up six at the half, and they just the, – the You know what was weird? Was awful. I didn't want Miami to win just because they knocked USC out, and I didn't want USC to be able to say like, oh, well, they were a Final Four team that knocked us out. <laughs> so all of a sudden I found myself. Petty. You are committed to the bit. <laughs> so I, I was like, but now I'm rooting for Kansas? This is like – I was watching that game like, oh, both teams are scoring. I'm like, oh, gross. Oh, no. Like, I don't want either of you to win. Um, so, yeah, it was next level. Yeah. Definitely next level. Yeah, that game got out of <laughs> hand very quickly. I mean, that went from tied. Once it, once Kansas took the lead, it felt like they were just going to take control of the game. And they uh, they took control of the game. Man. I wanted. I didn't even get to live bet this. I wanted to live bet this at the half when Kansas was down. It seemed like such a good opportunity to get that money line. I'm not even sure what it was, though. I, I'm sure it wasn't even that high because they're like, it's still Kansas. No, they were down six at the half, and they were minus yeah. four and a half for the second half. So you could have got them at a little bit, little bit of plus money. Mm, yeah, I saw somebody so. tweeted out that they were plus two fifty to win the title going into the game. And some of these markets, they update the futures in game, mm -hmm. so they were plus four fifty to win the title in game. So you could got, mm. could have gotten that. That'd be pretty looking pretty good right now. I'm just gonna say final notes before I let you go to live betting. 
far and wide was the best thing and not just the totals that <laughs> you and I like to bet, but just live betting these games in general was so, so much better. And I think it's because when you get to March too, these odds makers are making odds for teams that we've never seen. Like they're not, they don't play against each other ever in the regular season. So we have no idea. We have no context and we're trying to guess what these points are going to be. Then you see in game and like, even just in the first five minutes, I got way better lines than you would get, you know, pregame. So for me, like if I look at all the bets and I tracked all of them, like 80% of my wins were live bets. Yeah, and you, a part of it too is it's a neutral crowd and you have to figure out who they're going to root for. Like today, Kansas, mm. Miami, you think, oh, maybe, you know, sometimes a neutral crowd, they root for the underdog, but that mm -hmm. game was in, I believe, Illinois, closest to Kansas, closer to Kansas, and that was basically like a Kansas home game in the second half. So It sounded loud. Yeah, it was. So a lot of it is handicapping the geography and kind of the psychology of the crowd, who they're going to root for, that kind of situation. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm rooting for your NBA uh, totals to cash for you here as we get to the end of the season. And we'll get to talk NBA championship soon. And I'm going to have to bring you on to talk some WNBA. Yeah. Oh, I got one more for you. UConn tomorrow plays NC State women's. Is, I know it's not a prototypical Oriama team. Is UConn, what, do you have any intel there for, for UConn NC State? UConn's the two seed. It's NC State's tough. the one. I believe that game is in Bridgeport, though, which yeah, is not fair to NC State. That's not fair at all. Honestly, I was just telling someone this. I haven't been able to look at the women's games as much. And now that the men's games are wrapping up, I want to look at these more because the women's teams more even than the men's side of the tournament have the best of the best at the top. And so these are the games now where I think are actually going to be close and they're going to have like spreads worth looking at. I mean, some of these games, uh, Connecticut beating <laughs> St. John's even in season was terrible. But uh, I mean, NC State's a one seed, Connecticut. I think that people are just saying that Connecticut hasn't really been that dominant team since really like Brianna Stewart era a couple of years ago. But that said, I think it's going to be a close one. I haven't looked at this game closely. I want to start looking at the women's games now that I can have a little bit more bandwidth to do so. Um, so yeah, and UCLA women's still alive in the NIT as well. So, um, Who is the best team in women's? I know South Carolina is really good. Is South Carolina the best team? I think South Carolina is everybody's favorite right now. It seems like they were really popular in the brackets, um, but I don't know how you bet against Gino. You know, this, this is the type where we get to the top of these brackets, and for the women's teams, it's really, really tough. For me, of course, I want to root for a Pac-12 team, so um, Stanford was my favorite heading into this, but um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out for them as well, and it's really fun because they go right into the draft and then right into the WNBA season. So, All right, so I'll let you guess the lines and we'll get out of here. Bet River Sportsbook, UConn, NC State, the women's game tomorrow. What is the line? I, I literally just told you I haven't been following this, but um, we'll say two and a half. Who's favored? Uh, NC State. All right. Well, you 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 didn't win any prize. You didn't. Uh, I would say good effort, but it wasn't even a good effort. <laughs> it wasn't you, even close. UConn minus four and a half. Really? Yeah. Well, watch watch. NC State's gonna win by three, and then my line's gonna make perfect sense. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> is this a play <laughs> tomorrow? See. NC State is this a play? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I got it. These are like, I have to sit down and handicap these things. This is what's been, I don't know about you. I am burnt out on handicapping. And it's funny because I think I spent the most time on the South region, uh, because it's what I started with when I was first handicapping the bracket. And I looked at my bracket today and my bracket by far, the South was my best one in terms of predicting. Um, so I don't know if that's correlated, but yeah, I handicapping that many games and it was all college basketball was a lot. Yeah, it's kind of sad that it's over, but it's a little bit of a relief for it's like, all right, it went from conference tournament week where there's really just like a million games that week and a half. Because remember, it's not all one week. It's the smaller ones, then the bigger ones, right mm -hmm. into the brackets, right into March Madness, NIT, still paying attention to that. 
now you can kind of exhale, recharge the batteries. And look, I mean, we got baseball coming up soon and, and NBA playoffs. Yeah. So no rest for the weary here, but I know what you mean. Yeah. So I may look at that game now. You've got me intrigued. You've got me intrigued for sure. All right, DA. Best of luck. Best of luck this week. And we'll catch up soon. All right. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it. One last time, thank you to Will Hill for joining us today on the podcast. And thank you to you for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. As always, find me on Twitter at Danielle Ambari. Love to interact with you guys uh, most days. Sometimes Twitter's a really dark place, but you guys brighten it. And I appreciate you listening to the pod. A new show is three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'll be back for more LA action on Wednesday. So come on back to the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.